0: Hello and welcome to the Transcending CRM podcast, a show where we explore how the Salesforce ecosystem has impacted the careers of fellow trailblazers and the businesses that have leveraged dynamic growth on the platform. This podcast is brought to you by Silverline. Silverline is a Salesforce digital transformation consultancy headquartered in New York City, specializing in financial services, media and entertainment and healthcare industries. I'm your host, Elliot Spence, a solution architect at Silverline. And I'm here with my co-host, J.P. Owens, the Managing Director of Banking and Lending at Silverline. Today, we are joined by Tony Stegman, who is a Senior Data Analytics Manager at Capital One. Welcome, Tony. Hey, thanks, Al. We're happy to have you with us today, and I just wanted to get jumping right into your background. So you have a very unique background. I mean, there's others in the Salesforce ecosystem that came from a military background, but you're actually a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy where you majored in computer engineering. And then after your military career, you were in the like a real estate background and then transitioned into Salesforce. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? How maybe how the United States Air Force Academy prepared you for a career in Salesforce, but also how you were first in real estate and then transitioned over to that?
1: Yeah, sure. So so I guess if we're going back to Air Force Academy, back up and out of high school, I was looking for a uh, school to go to and Air Force Academy actually recruited me for wrestling to wrestle out there for them. I took a visit out to Colorado with them and decided, hey, this school is a way better school than I could get into on my grades alone. And then as a side bonus, uh, you know, tuitions covered at service academies. So that's kind of what caused me to pull the trigger on going there. It ended up being a, one of the greatest decisions I've made, partially because at that point in my life, it was a good dose of discipline to keep me structured around academics and just uh, general, generally you know, personal and self-development versus I think if I had gone to one of the local schools, I probably would have uh, spent a little too much time on the party scene and maybe not finished with a degree after uh, four years. But the the Air Force Academy did a great job of, of giving me that discipline at that point in life, forced me to kind of stay on top of my studies. Uh, there is no you know fifth year if you if you don't get all of your credits done in the four years that you that you're there. So uh, at the end of the four years I was uh, able to graduate with a degree in computer engineering. That degree, along with graduating from a service academy, uh, you have at least a five year commitment to the service that that you worked for, which, Going in, I was a little hesitant about having to serve in the military. After graduating, you know, I graduated from Air Force Academy in 2008. You guys might remember the economy was not in a great place at that point. So a lot of my, you know, friends from high school and stuff that were graduating were taking jobs, working at a mall or, you know, waiting tables with their college degree. I had a job waiting for me when I graduated. So I served as an officer in the United States Air Force for six years as an acquisitions officer reviewing a lot of the plans that come in from uh, defense contractors, got an opportunity to work on on some of our intelligence side of the house, uh, got to work with some of the, the nation's secrets, doing the, the top secret work, and ultimately had a job at NSA. And then after that, career took a kind of unique turn, decided that I wanted to take more control over, over my financial life, and so got into selling residential real estate, which was a lot of fun when I was newly married and had no kids. Three kids later, we actually have four now, but three kids later, a job with benefits seemed a little bit more attractive than uh, than the freedom of setting my own schedule and being 100% commission-based. So I decided, hey, maybe I dust off this uh, computer engineering degree and see if we can put that to work somewhere. So started floating the idea of going back to work for... I really, was really looking for like a tech company, a like Google, Facebook, et cetera. My father-in-law was like, hey, Capital One is very uh, tech-centered. Maybe you should consider working for them. I was like, no, I don't wanna work for a bank. You know, I was like, I wanna do fun, exciting tech stuff. And then as I kind of learned more about Capital One and what they were doing, I realized that they, like, they are a tech company that offers financial services. And ultimately that drew me into that atmosphere. And that, that's kind of what drew me to Capital One and got me into the company I'm at today which I could not be more excited about. I've been there for coming up on four years now, and it's been a great spot for me. Enjoy the work I get to do every day.
0: Yeah, it's such a unique background and one you definitely don't hear of all the time when it comes to the Salesforce ecosystem. They do have a big military community group, which uh, David Nava leads. It's, you know, it's awesome. I, I joined so even though I'm not you know, a military person, my brothers are, and I joined some of their stuff just because I like to hear what others are doing in the Salesforce e- ecosystem and try to connect with as many people as I can. But your story is definitely one that is very unique and I love hearing about it, and I'm sure the listeners will as well. But what, so you transitioned from real estate to Capital One. What is your current role at Capital One? You know, what, who do you support? What Salesforce products do you work on? Tell us a little bit about that as well.
1: Yeah, sure. So, I lead the team of data analysts that support our business bankers within small business banking. So what that means is we support a couple of different teams under that line of business. But basically what we do is we help our business bankers who are out uh, selling products and supporting our small business owners We help enable them to be experts when they're client-facing. So we give them data-driven tools so that they can go from one day from being the data expert or industry expert for a dentist to the next day talking to a real estate developer about their banking needs and how they can support them. So we help build the data-driven tools to help the the bankers. Uh, We also help their leadership to show them which of their bankers are performing really well across different activities. And which ones might have some opportunities for coaching, and we help you know provide the data that that supports those activities as well. From a Salesforce perspective, we use uh, Sales and Service Cloud to drive kind of our our sales of new financial products to customers, and then we also service them with uh, Salesforce as well. So about three years ago our senior leaders went out to Dreamforce and uh, were pitched how great and easy it was going to be to do automation using uh, what was the Einstein product at that point. And so they came back and said, we need somebody to lead this effort to you know, be able to predict attrition and do all, all sorts of different predictions within our Salesforce using this Einstein product. And what was pitched them a dream. is anyone can do it in 30 minutes has been a three-year journey, but we've learned a lot along the way. And we've built a lot of really cool products using what is now the, uh, the CRMA or the CRM analytics tool within there to bring a lot of those data visualizations and data tools directly within Salesforce, which at the end of the day is where we want the bankers doing their business from. We want them in there, updating contacts, logging activities. We want them to be able to see their data right there within the platform so that they're not going outside of Salesforce for other tools, Uh, keeps it all right in there and allows us to log it and get better quality data as a result.
2: And Tony, you mentioned data and other tools. So obviously you have data flowing into Salesforce, but curious, are there any other data sources when you talk about industry information or insights around your customers that you are aggregating in the platform to drive alerts or trends that might be relevant to the bankers? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So we do a couple of things. I mean, we are
2: able to pull in some of the
1: you know, Capital One offers a lot of different financial services and so we can pull a lot of that data into one place to give our bankers a holistic view of that customer's interactions with Capital One so that they, so the customer feels like that banker knows their whole business. I think historically there have been issues with, you know, just having your swim lane and only knowing, you know, maybe what the, the credit products are for that customer or only knowing about specific deposit accounts, but not seeing all of the treasury management. We're able to pull in a lot of those external sources to really give that banker the the full picture of that customer's uh, banking relationship to be able to, Better advise them on um, maybe some products that could help them streamline their business or make them more you know effective or efficient in how they do their their business.
2: And before you mentioned, this all kind of started for Capital One and, and potentially yourself at Dreamforce. knowing we're a, a few days away from heading out there again as we record this, What are you looking forward to most about maybe going out to Dreamforce yourself this year and trying to understand not just what you've been working on in CRMA, but just all the other innovations and tools that might be at your disposal as you go forward?
1: Yeah. So first, I'm just looking forward to the environment, right? There's just so much energy there. That it's hard not to come back from that event just reinvigorated and have some newfound excitement around the work that you're doing, uh, whether that's because of some of the the future releases that are coming and some of the things you'll be able to do, or just you know because you had you now have a larger network of people that you can lean on in terms of uh, finding solutions. But um, so that's that's probably the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is just the energy coming out of it, but also just that wealth of knowledge that's there. So I, I was talking to people earlier today uh, that haven't been there before, and I, they were asking me kind of what my strategy is for going out this year. And I said, you know, I'm not as concerned with the keynotes or even the agenda or what, what different sessions they have offered. I'm really going out with just a handful of questions, and my goal is to find experts in that area that I can have one-off conversations with, or maybe attend sessions that are around those same subjects also, but really just being there at that one event where you can tap into that broader knowledge base of Salesforce to kind of drive some solutions for problems that we have today.
2: And now I have to ask, what is one of those questions? Can you share <laughs> one of those questions with us?
1: Uh, sure. Yeah. So. One thing that I would love to understand better is how we can handle the data management on the back end within our CRM analytics. For those that are familiar with the tool, you know that you can create your own data sets in there as well as pulling data. Directly from external sources or directly from Salesforce. And I think as our team has started to scale up and we have more users in there, there is more data within that tool. And I'm really looking for some best practices and how do we stay well managed within that data to make sure everyone has access to the information they need, but so that we're not creating multiple different data sets uh, that drive the same solution.
0: Yeah, I mean, my Dreamforce experience is like my first time out there. That's what I was all about—the agenda and getting sessions booked and going to just hear different speakers. And I'm I'm still going to do that, but over you know the past few times I've went, it's all been very. I have specific things I want to learn more about, get some questions answered. My two this year are Flow for FSC, which is Omni Studio Velocity people call it a lot of different things anymore, but it's flow for FSC within the financial services cloud space, and then CRM analytics. I mean, those are the two that I'm most interested in. I'm going out there to really just try to dig into those two items and really get more hands-on experience around them and join some of those sessions. So I have those booked on my agenda builder right now, but those are the two items I'm going out in. So the people that are going, you know, especially first timers, hopefully they have like they're, you know, the sessions they want to go to and try to, you know, dig into because there's just, as you said, so much energy and so many people, and it's still going to be a lot of people, even though it's still more scaled down this year. And Tony, I believe you're a huge Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. So I know you've been preparing for the concert while we're out there as well. I mean, you, I think in your bedroom, you still have a Red Hot Chili Peppers poster up on the wall that you've had since high school. So, I'm excited that you get to see them this year.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, none of that's actually true, but uh,
0: <laughs> no, But I, I am
1: excited for that concert. That's that's always a blast out there. And like, honestly, even a couple of years ago when it was you know 175 thousand people during the actual event, I don't think you get you get a full feel for how massive the event is because it's so spread out across different beat, different venues, and different blocks of the city. But when they pull, even though it's a fraction of the total attendees, when they pull everyone together for that concert, it just really drives home the scale and the reach that Salesforce has across different industries. And just you know, seeing that many people together at the, the event is, is pretty incredible. So I am looking forward to that concert for sure.
2: Well, and one other thing I would say too, for someone who's trying to get more value out of it, outside of all the fun and the concerts and the parties is... Asking your Salesforce AE or your partner for uh, similar clients, hey, who's doing what we're trying to do or who's managing some of the same tools and how can I network with them and kind of learn more or participate in some of the roundtables. I always got the most value out of sitting in a roundtable with 10 to 15 other banks and credit unions kind of talking about some of the main themes we were solving for or trying to solve for and walking away with a couple of new ideas for how to either fix something that was blocking us or think about a new way around to kind of streamline some of our processes. So definitely recommend that outside of all the fun which is always important, but um those round tables are invaluable in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, the the round tables bring a lot of value as well. I mean it, there's so many things that you know back before we were at Silverline, especially me, that I was trying to get and I was trying to learn. I was it just needed a little bit to click on how I could use it or what, you know, how to do it. And it was at those round tables it's like, oh yeah, that's I'm doing this wrong or this is how I could utilize this product or feature better. So yeah, I highly recommend those as well. So Tony, how long exactly have you been at Capital One and how long have you been like a, I don't know if I want to call it like a Salesforce admin. You you are, but you aren't because you run like the CRM analytics side of it now. But when you were newer to the system, Salesforce is just massive. There's so much you can do and it grows with every release. But what did you do to really get comfortable in the system? And, you know, especially not only as an admin, but also with CRM analytics, what did you do to get, you know, to gain comfort when you finally like click for you like oh yeah now i i know this
1: yeah so the answer to the first part so i'm coming up on four years at capital one now i was probably a year into uh to be in a capital one before i really started to get involved with salesforce but i think salesforce's training platform with the trailheads and all of that is just an incredible resource to be able to really understand the platform get in there you can follow the pre-made trails that are there I also I love I spent a lot of time just in the sandboxes that you can create through the trailhead just because I knew that that was a safe environment for me to just try to figure out what a flow is, figure out, you know, what kind of automations can be done. How does the whole thing interact? uh, Go in there and try to break things to just figure out how things are working, how it's flowing through the system. And I think that's helped me a lot because you mentioned being a Salesforce admin and I'm not actually one of the admins for our instance, right? So I'm constantly having to put in requests and backlog items for our admins to do. But because I've had that opportunity to really go in and play in the sandbox, I think it helps a lot in terms of being able to scope. Okay, this is a super easy request. I'm just looking to add one value to a pick list versus, hey, we're going to have to re-engineer the way these objects connect and the kind of hierarchy in here to be able to perform this job function. Just being able to kind of like scope the level of difficulty for some of those asks, I think has been really helpful in terms of just being able to interact with our Salesforce admins. But it all drives back to how they've kind of gamified that trailhead system and really kind of get you in there and it's once you get in there, the more you know, the more you realize there's more to learn. And as Elliot, I'm sure you can say, because I've seen your your trailhead scores where you've got hundreds of thousands of points. I mean, it can get addictive uh, real quick in terms of trying to get to that next level or get those, uh, you know, get to that, um, that next uh, super badge or whatever the the new goal is.
2: I don't know how Elliot actually gets real work done with how many of these badges he's collecting and certifications, but I mean, for the real people who are building on the platform, maybe who aren't just getting 20 certifications, just kidding, Elliot. You
0: you know, Uh, I, I, I'm always curious about how things work and (laughs) on the nights and weekends, my wife and, Who knows, maybe she's gonna become a Transcending CRM podcast fan. I mean, she's definitely gonna listen to me more, but like it'll be weeknights, weekends, and I'll just sit down like I got to finish this super badge. I want to know how these things work. So it's just my curiosity. And it, it gets addictive because there's just so much to learn. And I'm the type I, I just have to know. I want to know how this works. I got to get through this. I want to figure this out. And yeah, uh, if I'm not like, you know, coaching wrestling or something, then that's probably what I'm doing. I jump in the trailhead and figure something else out. Well, speaking of how things
2: work, Tony, I I would be curious, uh, what's one of the biggest value driving kind of dashboards or reports that you have out there today that's really not only helping with adoption, but like making a real business impact? Is there anything that jumps out at you that you would say we've implemented it and like the users love it and it does really drive value and maybe isn't super complex to accomplish?
1: Sure. So one thing that we've done is we built a, our pipeline report is now within C- CRM analytics, and what that does is it pulls together a lot of data from within Salesforce. It pulls together, uh, we manually load some goal data from outside of Salesforce, and we blend it all together. But the power that it drives is, is twofold. One, it gives our senior leaders a view of the pipeline at a very quick, high level. They can see, okay, across our different regions, here's where we're at, across our different products but it also gives them the ability to kind of drill into that report pretty effectively. So if they see one region that something looks off, they can click through, they can go deeper into that and really all the way down to the individual performer level to see, okay, these are the two people that are performing way above their goal that are maybe skewing things or vice versa. And secondary, the real advantage to that hasn't just been in the data side. And I think that the data visualization has been huge. But the secondary advantage that I don't think we planned for is that previously when we would do these reportings, it was pulling data out of Salesforce, creating slides, those slides then get reported up. And through that process, there was a lot of data manipulation that would happen you know, at each, at each uh, manager level they would kind of say hey you know i know salesforce says this but i know this opportunity really is going to close so i'll go ahead and include it or hey i'm going to take this one out because i know it says that it's at this stage but i really don't have a high confidence in it and so they were kind of massaging the data at each level well now those reports are built 100% off of the data that's entered at the individual record level within salesforce and i think the individual uh salesperson knowing that those records directly impact the report that goes up through the MVP level to show their numbers, it's resulted in us having much better quality data because now that people know that they are accountable for specifically what's in there, they know that those numbers have to be right and be an accurate reflection of kind of where the pipeline is. So not only has the tool been a big help, but we've seen better data quality as a result of of using it.
2: That's awesome, Tony. I know pipeline visibility as well as managing things like payoffs and potential funding schedules and all that is really critical to a a lender's day to day. So having that visibility really does drive adoption and we see across a lot of clients. So thank you for sharing that that key use case for for Capital One. Sure. Yeah.
0: All right. So we're winding down on time here, but we wanted to end the show. We have three questions that we're going to end every podcast with. They may change a little bit week to week, but just to give our listeners a little more insight to you, a little bit more insight to us. Uh, I'm a little this one, nervous now. Because I know, I, I mean, you, you, know, know. you know you know, Some of the questions I got to coming. prep on, okay. Let's yeah. see, all right, let's see so what the, like, First one, like, what tips would you give to somebody new to the Salesforce environment? So they're coming in, maybe they want to be, start a career in Salesforce, or they're a newer admin, or they're new to CRMA. What tip would you give to that, someone that's new and they ask, hey Tony, what can I do to prepare?
1: I mean, the first thing I would do is just start the trailhead that takes you kind of down the path to get your admin certification. It's going to cover a broad area of what Salesforce offers, what it does, how it works behind the scenes. And it's going to keep you busy for a while. You know, I mean, I think it's uh, uh, I forget the exact length of it, but I know it it, it can take it'll take you, you know, a week or a couple of weeks to kind of get through uh, that one. What, what do they call it? It's not, it's not a trailhead. It's a trail map. Is that is that right? Tra- but- the trail mixes? The trail mix. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I would start there and just to give yourself a kind of a broad understanding. And then through that process, you're going to naturally find things that you find interesting. And then you can take those and like, hey, this flows to automation is really cool. And then you can start going down those other rabbit holes and then figure out how you build on top of that. And I I think it just, uh, it creates a good place to start to give you kind of a broad understanding of what Salesforce does and how it works.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I couldn't agree more as They already know I spend, you know, as JP said, I spend a lot of time on Trailhead. So, (laughs) you know, I know exactly what you're talking about there because I'm on it every day.
2: Well, and Elliot, to be fair for this next question, I feel like we should ask it to each other and let Tony think about it so he's not put on the spot. But I'll ask you first, Elliot, then Tony can go. What is something unique about yourself that not many people know? It can be an accomplishment, a talent or just a fun fact, maybe something to use in an icebreaker. Would love to hear something unique about each of you.
0: Well, for myself, I mean, a lot of people know or that especially that know me they know i wrestled you know throughout high school college tony was actually one of my high school teammates but after i finished wrestling i actually had a brief career as a cage fighter and they're actually both both my fights are still on youtube but they were they were just amateur like little cage fights that Eventually, I was like, you know what, I don't want a career where I'm getting punched in the face. And that's when I moved out to Philadelphia and spent two years out there getting my MBA and I was a grad assistant college wrestling coach. I still help coach some people in it, especially with wrestling. But yeah, I, I, I immediately backed out of my career in cage fighting. So that's one of the that's something unique about myself that I had a like a two year stint as a amateur cage fighter. What about you, J.P.?
2: Mine is my go to icebreaker is typically that I have intercepted a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And I always have to give the context of I'm five foot seven, maybe five eight on a good day. I did not play professional football or college football or much of high school football. So it's always a, a stumping question for a lot of people. But it was the backup quarterback for the New York Giants the year they beat the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. It was Jared Lorenzen. Post-college, uh, I was playing in a flag football league, and he happened to be the other quarterback, and I was able to intercept him twice. So it's always a good little icebreaker where people just can't figure it out. So, yeah, Jared Lorenzen was oh, a Super you know, Bowl-winning quarterback. Because
0: why wouldn't a Super Bowl-winning quarterback be playing in a flag football league in like Oakley <laughs> or Hyde Park or wherever that was? It makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Cool.
1: Well, I appreciate you guys filling the airtime so I could think through uh, my my response. Although I, I did have it right out of the gate, and it's it's the one most people wouldn't know this unless they've asked me a question just like this one, because it's the one I always always lean on. Keeping on the sports theme, and uh, and then back to the wrestling a little bit. A lot of people know that I wrestled in high school. Most people that know me know that I wrestled in college. Very few people that know me know that I am a certified alligator wrestler. So uh, while I was uh, out in Colorado, there is a place uh, about three hours from Colorado Springs, which is where the Air Force Academy is in Aurora, Colorado, called the Gator Farm. And they I don't know if they still offer it. But uh, when I was at the Academy, they offered alligator wrestling classes. And what they would do is. I mean, these were live gators, and they, uh, you know, their mouths weren't taped shut. They were, they were coming after you if, uh, if they wanted to. But they started you out in like a kid's swimming pool with uh, probably fifteen to 20 two to four foot gators, and they kind of taught you how to pick them up and how they move. And then uh, once you got comfortable picking up the the smaller gators, they took you into this little swamp that had kind of four to eight foot gators, and you had to kind of walk into the swamp and grab one by the tail and drag it up on the beach and jump on its back and lift it up. So it had its little T-Rex arms hanging. By the end of the day, you went into the, uh, the big pond where they had that eight to 11 foot gators. And for those ones, we had to, we had to learn to take the lasso out and um, lasso them. And then you pull them up onto the beach and tie them off to the post. And then you sit on their back and, uh, and pull the mouth open. And then at the end of the day, you get a, you get a certificate. So is that the one hanging up behind you? Uh, <laughs> no, I think, I think it's actually my wife's diploma hanging up behind me. Uh, I should have that prominently displayed in my office. I feel like that, you know, is, is more unique than any of the other, uh, accreditations. I've I
0: I think you should listen like, on your uh, LinkedIn certification part instead of you know, Salesforce <laughs> certifications, you know, people need to know. And that's actually, I remember, I still remember when those pictures, cause there's pictures of it and they popped up on your social media and we were all back here and Cincinnati like what is Tony doing is this real like where are you and he's like oh yeah getting certified in gator wrestling like do they have the mouths taped up no not at all like you're just wrestling alligators I think that tops both of ours I mean they did they said no one has ever lost a limb doing it they've
1: always been able to recover the limb from inside the gator's belly and take it to the hospital to be reattached but
2: now, is there video evidence of this? Because I know there's video evidence of Elliot's one. I don't know. I don't think there's anything for mine, but it'd be great if there was a video of you doing this. Uh, so there,
1: there is there's photographic evidence. There's some videos from that day. I don't know if they're videos of me actually wrestling. Them. Keep in mind, this would have been like 2006. It was before iPhones were doing real good. So it wasn't quite as easy to get the videos, but we, we've got some uh, some photos of that day.
0: Yeah, that is definitely, definitely tops both of ours. But Tony, we can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your day to join us on the podcast. And, you know, we hope you have a good trip out to Dreamforce here in the next, we're three days before Dreamforce. So hopefully everything goes well for you out there and you get to ask those questions.
1: Yeah, thanks guys. I appreciate the time. This was fun and I'm looking forward to seeing you guys uh, next week.
0: Yeah. And for our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. To learn more about Silverline, you can subscribe to Silverline's blog at silverlinecrm.com or follow on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook at SilverlineCRM. One word, SilverlineCRM. Thanks a lot. And we'll see you on the next episode.